campus pastors here at Metro Praise International. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. If this is your first time, thank you for making us your home church. Uh, why don't we all stand before we begin? All right. Uh, before we get into our worship, I would like to call on my sister in the Lord, Stephanie Santoyo, to come and share a Alex. testimony. Yes, give a warm welcome as she comes up to share. Amen. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, I just want to share a scripture verse um, with y'all. It's 1 Peter 5, 7, and it's in the New Living Translation. I like the way that um, it words it here. It says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. And this scripture verse, we were actually teaching the kids last week in the back. And um, this week, during uh, while I was at work, something had happened with one of the bigger orders in our job. And... Um, it was just like basically stuff was ordered and sent out and it was weighed to be over the amount that we sent. And so we would have to pay for the truck and the thing that sent it out and brought it back, which would fall on us. And it was just something that was just got heavy on one of my coworkers who's the lead. And so I just remember this verse coming to mind and I was like, okay, let's pray together. So we got to pray together and just believe God and um, I just love the way it words it again. It says, cast all your cares and your worries. And it doesn't always have to be bad things that, like things you worry about that you can bring to him. But it can be the things that you care about, the good things, you know, in your life. And so um, I just wanted to share that verse as an encouragement to remember that God's word is per powerful and um, his word is living in our lives. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for every person in this place, Lord God. And we ask... God, in this place, we wouldn't be afraid, God, to give you our worries, to give you our cares, God, but also just to love you in this place, Lord God. So we ask that you would um, bring freedom in this house tonight, Lord God, or this morning, Lord God. And um, we just ask that you'd have your way in worship. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. We are going to just worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. We're going to say higher than the mountains that I face.
doesn't give up and you don't give up on us God we can turn our back on you we can fail time and time again but God you never fail you keep going you keep going God even when we feel like we have weak knees and weak feet and we just can't go on any further God you spur us on a little further don't give up. Oh God, you are glorious. And we just want to worship you. And I, I just, I know that sometimes you guys go through hard times, but man, there is power in your worship. There's a time when your worship is your strongest weapon. When you worship, it rattles hell because the devil's trying to take you out so fast. But there you are with hands raised high and you're saying, I will worship you, Jesus. Whether the situation works out in my favor or it blows up in my face, I will worship you through the storm. I will worship you in the battle. God, when I see a thousand fall at my right and 10,000 at my left, I will worship you. I will move forward with you and I am going the distance. You better worship saints. You better worship saints. You better worship saints. Because God always comes through and he's always right on time. 
Hallelujah. Let's sing that again. Your love never fails. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. I will praise you in this storm, and I will praise you, I will praise you, hallelujah, I will praise you, hallelujah, 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 oh Jesus. Oh, Ariando lo coya na na sereria so toy. Oh, Ariando de que sereria ando lo so toy na na seke tisi na na ya shete kiriando. Oh, Lord, we feel you in this place, God. Oh, Jesus. Sometimes all you can say is hallelujah. Light of the world, you stepped out into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. Here I am. And here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're mine. Oh, 
Jesus. We've come to worship you. We've come to bow at your feet, oh God. You are altogether lovely, altogether worthy, and we worship you, King Jesus, because you are worthy of our praise, oh God. We love you today. We honor you. We worship you. We give you our praise. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And as you do, I want to do something special today. I want you guys to all come to the front as we prepare to do communion together as a family. So as the ushers pass out the elements, let's pass it down the row in the front of the altar here. Communion is something very special to us. We remember the sacrifice of Jesus, his body that was crucified, the blood that he shed. So I want us to do communion today as a family, up close and personal. And before we partake of the elements together, I want to preach the gospel to you today. How many of you guys love the good news? Amen. Amen. I'm going to be reading from Revelation chapter 21, 25 through 27. And obviously this message is for those of you guys who are not right with God today. You have not surrendered your all to Jesus. You have not been born again. I encourage you today, get right with God. Revelation 21, 25 through 27 says, On no day will its gates ever be shut. Talking about the eternal kingdom when we will be forever with Jesus one day. All the judgments have passed. And now it's just us and him forever and ever. On no day will its gates ever be shut. For there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I want to let you know this afternoon that there is a book in heaven called the Lamb's book of life, where your name gets written in if you have surrendered and accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you are not confident and assured that your name is in that book, you're going to have the opportunity right now in just a few moments. But I have to be honest with you. You must repent of your sin. We cannot keep living our life our way and expect to be in this place because nothing impure will enter that place. Nothing deceitful, nothing shameful. We must be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. It's only by the blood of Jesus that we could come before the Father. So with all eyes closed all across this room, I want you to take inventory of your heart. If you have not been born again, you have not confessed Jesus as Lord, you have not repented of your sins, I'm going to begin to pray for you, and I want you to come into agreement. Dear Jesus, I pray for every single person in this room right now. I ask that today it would be the day of their salvation, that their, their name would be written right now in the Lamb's book of life as they surrender, as they repent, that they would come just as they are to the only God that can save them. You are our Savior, Jesus. I pray that you would bring conviction, draw them to repentance by your loving kindness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If that was you, you're going to have an opportunity during our fellowship time to receive prayer from our prayer workers, and I want to encourage you, come. Let them know that you want Jesus and you want to live right, and they'll help you get plugged into the church and start discipleship, amen? How are you guys ready to start communion? Come on, we're going to partake of the wafer together. Thank you, Jesus, that we have this opportunity 
to remember your death, burial, and resurrection. We thank you, Jesus, for your body that was beaten, that was pierced, that was whipped for our transgressions. You paid a price that we could never pay on our, by ourselves. We thank you, and we remember your sacrifice. We remember your suffering, and we say thank you, Jesus. Let's partake of the wafer together. Thank you, Jesus. Just thank him. Take a few seconds right now. Just let him know how thankful you are for your salvation. How thankful for you, you are for all that he's done. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this grape juice that represents your blood. The blood that you shed that washes us clean, white like snow, that erases our sin and takes it as far as the east is from the west. I thank you for your blood today. I thank you that you have taken our sins and our sorrows and our sicknesses and nailed them to that cross. And today we can stand redeemed. Woo! We can stand redeemed and yes, forgiven in your Lord, presence, oh God. Sinful humanity. Humanity who turned their back on you, oh God. We stand redeemed today because of the blood of Jesus. Let's partake of the blood together. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Let's hold hands. I know it might be a little difficult with that. Let's hold hands as we close out in prayer. Rachel, can you lead us in a prayer? And just close out this time as we think about Jesus and his goodness in our lives. You're so good, Lord, and we thank you today for your love, God, your love that holds us, your love that draws us, Lord, your love, God, that covers over our sin, Lord, and today we want to say thank you. God, we stand together as a people. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you for the love, oh God, that endures forever. God, we pray that we would always be reminded of that love, that we would walk in this love, that we would live in freedom in this love today, Jesus. So God, as we hold each other's hands, God, I pray that we would love each other, oh God. God as well in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. You guys can um, stay right where, where you are, actually. We'll do the confession of faith, and then we'll dismiss for fellowship. Let's recite this on the count of three. This is our Christian worldview. Let's say it like we mean it today. Are you guys ready? One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind, is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Woo! Spend some time hanging out and loving on people.
right. Who's excited to be here today? You guys can make your way back to your seats. Let's get ready to hear these wonderful announcements. Welcome everybody to Metro Praise International. Woohoo! Our service is here our every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 1, 2 and 1 p.m. This is our family service. So we have King's Kids in the back for our kids. And then we have Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m. for our teenagers, 11 to 18 years old. So if you know anybody in that age group, invite them to come on by on Friday nights. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Look to your neighbor say vision. Our vision here is loving God and loving people, the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. Then we have a strategy. Our strategy is to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. The way that we want to connect you is through our life groups. We have leaders who open up their homes and pour their life into you, and I just want to be there to fellowship. So find one to connect with. You'll be hearing about that in just a moment. Then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. That's our discipleship process. Then we want to send you out to go evangelizing. And then our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches in the city and 500 around the world. Does that get you excited? Because you hear it every week. It better get you excited because it's not going to change. Look to your neighbor say, it's not changing. It's time to get connected. So if you turn out your hand, if you turn your handouts to the back, you'll notice the schedule that we have for this quarter of life groups. I want to encourage you, find a place to belong with you and your family and get connected. Here's a snapshot of what's happening, kicking it off today. We have our singles. Come on, give it up for our singles. 18 to 35 years old, meeting here at the church at 4 p.m. Awesome men and women of God who are just on fire for Jesus, who want to hang out with you so that you be on fire for Jesus. So they want to fellowship, hang out, share life together, play games, and just have a good time. So meet here today if you're in that age group. You won't regret it. We also have our single moms meeting today. They have child care provided. 5.30 p.m. is when they're meeting. So if you know any single moms or you are one, meet them there today. It's a powerful time. Tuesday, the Resistance Youth Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m., meeting at the church. Got some resistance in here. Wednesday, Righteously Redeemed, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. Wednesday, King's Kids, every week, infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church for our young people. We got Royal Rangers Boys Club, Impact Girls Club, awesome time for our children. Thursday is our gang outreach. Every week, they hit the streets, 18 years and up. Uh, they meet at that address, 7 p.m., and they preach the gospel to the gangbangers in our city. How many of you guys know Chicago needs Jesus? Come on, join them if you want. And then Friday every week, we have two Bible studies for you, one at the Govea's house, the other one at the Vivids. 7 p.m., 18 years and up. If you're above the age of 18, you need to be there, okay? No excuses. Go pick an address. Go there. Go alone. You will not feel lonely. If you go alone, you will not feel lonely, especially with Jerry Bear. Jerry, please stand up. Okay. How many of you guys know when you are with this woman, you do not feel alone? She will love you silly. So be there with her and her husband, Tony, in the back. Wave your hand. I know you guys know them. Our awesome campus pastors for the second service. Then we want to mentor you. Somebody say mentor. Our 101 book is called Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders ready to take you through that book and walk through this journey with you as you get closer to Jesus. Then when you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where you will be trained to be a leader in the church. Then we want to send you out. Somebody say send. Somebody say it's time to go. Meet them here every Saturday at 5 o'clock. They hit the streets preaching the gospel from 5 to 8. If you don't know how to do it, but if you want to learn and you're a little scared, you can still come. They will train you. 
you will be on fire. You will be an awesome street witness, sir. And it's just such an awesome thing that we get to participate in doing that because God has commanded us all to go. Somebody say go. So in recap, MPI has a vision, a strategy, and a goal. A vision of loving God, loving people, strategy of connect, mentor, send, and a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Let me get a hallelujah. Woo. Who's, ex who's that excited to give tithes and offerings right now? Come on. Woohoo! We can never outgive God. MPI believes that a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. So if we have $100, 10% is $10. If we have 1,000, 10% would be $100. So it doesn't matter if you have a little or if you have a lot. 10% makes it fair and standard for everybody. It doesn't matter if it's a how much you have, the amount, 10% is still straight across the board. And so we want you to be faithful with that. And then we believe in giving offering an amount that's above the tithe. And that's between you and the Lord. God wants you to give with a cheerful heart and he wants you to give generously. And we designate that towards missions and to buildings. We love the mission field. We are currently in the building fund. You got some exciting news coming your way next week. So stay tuned, keep giving, be faithful to the pledge you've made before the Lord. But let's get into our lesson right now. Section two in the Disciples Giving book. We are on lesson four. Lesson four. Offerings are like seeds planted for a harvest. How many of you guys want to reap a harvest? How many of you guys want to plant seeds to reap that harvest? Come on. The offering is a gift to God after our tithe. We're going to be reading in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. How many of you guys want to reap generously? I know I want to reap generously. That means we've got to sow generously. Here are the main points. Number one, sow seed. The biblical word sow means plant. Therefore, Paul in the above passage is comparing one's offerings to seeds that are planted to grow and be harvested. For example, when a farmer plants or sows corn seeds into the ground, he does so because he wants to reap a harvest of corn. So if we want to reap a harvest of financial blessing, guess what you're going to have to sow? Finances, okay? Same thing, corn seed, corn harvest. Coin seed, coin harvest, got it? Number two, sow sparingly. If a farmer only planted a few seeds in the ground, he would only expect to reap a small harvest. In the same way, Paul teaches us that if we give sparingly to God in our offerings, we will only reap sparingly from his provision. So if we want the provision of God to be tangible and real and experienced in our life, we have to give. And that's a command from the Lord. So you can, that's where we get that saying where you can't outgive God because God always blesses his people when we give in abundance. And number three, sow generously. Say, say to your neighbor, say, sow generously. If a farmer plants many seeds, he will reap a large harvest. As a result, when we give generously to God, we can expect to reap God's generous blessings. Remember, the Holy Spirit, according to each person's ability and resources, determines generosity in God's kingdom. So stay close to Jesus. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and he will speak to you. And your only response is supposed to be to be obedient. Amen? Here's a summary. Your seed planted in offerings will determine your harvest reaped in God's blessing. Let's apply this three ways. Number one, be a faithful tither. Number two, give generous offerings to God. And number three, prayerfully expect God to bless you generously. Come on. Let's confess this. If that makes you excited, let's repeat this together on the count of three. One, 
2, 3. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. Let's stand up together this afternoon as we prepare to give the Lord our best. Amen. Again, a tithe is 10% of your total income given regularly to the church. We designate our offering towards missions and towards building. On the envelope, you can see the categories. Put your specific amount on each line so we can allocate the funds properly. Here are four ways that you could give here at MPI. Number one, in the bucket during the offering. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with the credit or debit card. You can see Pastor Jerry today for that. And number four, online with Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or bill pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Come on, let's recite this together. Philippians 4.18. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your abundant blessings in our lives, for your generous provision. And I pray, Lord God, that we would be a people that sow generously so that we could reap a harvest, God. I ask, oh Lord, that you would bless the gift and the giver today. Meet our needs according to your glorious riches and be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please come forward as you give and thank you so much for your generosity. Right. How many are ready to grow up? Make some noise. Whoop, whoop. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Today is a great day. Spring sprung and then it, it sprang and then it sprung and then it broke and it went away. But how many are believing God for this week that spring is coming back? It's not going to leave us. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. I'll tell you what, Chicago keeps you on your toes when it's with the weather. But how many know the sun is always shining when you got Jesus? Jesus is always good on the inside. Today I'm going to be using this board to uh, make some practical applications, so I hope that you enjoy it with me today and the things that we'll be learning. We've been in a spiritual uh, growth series since Easter. It's been really awesome. Thank you. And uh, we're learning today about renewal 
and transformation. So if you miss any past messages, go online and get them. Or if today you want to follow along with the notes, it's at mpichurch.org or our Facebook page. And hey, let me just encourage you, if you haven't talked about us on Facebook yet and reviewed us, please do. Everybody that's new, go on Facebook, review us, give us five stars, talk about how the church has changed your life. And as often as you come here, check in and let people know you're here because it spreads the word. Can I get a whoop whoop? If you don't, we'll still love you. We'll just love those who do it a little bit more. Half kid, but Rachie, Rachie, she laughs. She knows it's true. She, I, it's like my love language, words of affirmation, and I love reading those things. Second Peter chapter, uh, yeah, chapter one, verse one. He says, "Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and our uh, and of Jesus our Lord." What is amazing about this is that every time you guys come and we're doing the sermon series, you guys hear the sermon series text. This is my fifth time going over it. By the time the sermon series is done, you may have heard this text read about ten times. Now think about this. If you understand these verses, do you think that's going to dramatically change your life? It will. So every time we go through it, pay attention, listen to what Peter is saying, and then apply it rightly to your life. Peter is the apostle that did not quit on Jesus even though he betrayed him. What's the difference between Judas and Peter? Both betrayed Jesus, but Judas quit. Even though Peter went away, he didn't give up. He kept going on, and when Jesus came back, he was reinstated, and he became a great leader for Jesus. So that should tell us no matter what we're going through, don't quit. God has a plan. Failures are not final. You can make it through your hardest defeats and trials and see God have a purpose for your life. Then we see that we have faith as precious as Peter's. How many are encouraged by that? That no matter who you are here today, if you believe in God, if you trust in God, your faith is as precious as Peter's. And who gave you this faith was Jesus Christ, our God and Savior, by his own righteousness. So faith is a gift that's given as you hear the word and you are enabled to believe and you decide, I trust God. I believe that. Faith is given to you, literally planted like a seed, and it's because of God's righteousness through Jesus. Jesus was right when you were wrong, and because of that, now you can have righteous faith, just like Peter's. And then look at this: grace and peace be multiplied to yours and be multiplied to you in abundance. Grace, unmerited favor, a clean slate with God, Lord, the Lord pouring out His blessings on you. And peace, meaning that you don't fear God's judgment, you don't have anything to worry about, you know God is a good father, he's your Abba, he's your daddy, and then you can have peace with men. And the Bible says that Jesus taught us, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. So do you want to make peace wherever you go? Bring the peace of God to your job. Bring the peace of God to your family. Bring the peace of God to troubled areas because that's what God has given you. And just remember this. It comes through our knowledge of him. Knowledge today is going to be a key component of our sermon. And today's sermon, I forgot to mention it, today's sermon is going to be on renewal and transformation. Everybody say renewal and transformation. 
Thank you, thank you. Now let's keep going. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, those of you who have been here before, how many of you have been changed or your understanding has been changed by this passage? Has this really just encouraged you? I mean, it's one of the most powerful passages you'll ever read in the Bible. He is saying to every one of us that God's divine power at salvation gave us everything we need. So today, if you are a Christian and you have come to Christ and are born again, not a religious Christian simply going to church, checking off, you know, your beliefs on a census, like, are you a Buddhist, Muslim, or Christian? Oh, I'm a Christian. No, that doesn't count. This is a relationship, not a religion. But if you have a relationship with Jesus, the moment you initiate or God initiated that with you and you got together with him, his divine power gave you everything you would ever need for your godly life. Everything. So that means when I went to Bible college, 19 years old, I got saved at 18. The first day I show up at Bible college, got everything I need for a godly life at Bible college. I didn't have to go around looking for it and be like, man, how am I going to stay away from all these fine honeys? How am I going to live for Jesus? No. The moment I showed up, godliness was there. Why? Because God was on the inside of me. The moment I said, I do, to my wife, I do, June, oh, uh, June, hold on, help me, Lord, June 19th, 2005, making 16 years this June 19th. When I said, I do, uh, 11 years ago, did I say 16 years? I'm confused. I'm going to be married 11 years, the 2016, this year coming up. When I said, I do, on 2005 of June 19th, the moment I did that, I didn't have to go looking around for power to be a husband, power for uh, a life of, of godliness. No, I already had it on the inside. He gave me everything I needed right here in this big old belly. I got all the power I need. And there on, um, oh, help me, Lord, December 10th, 2000 and something, Bethany was born. <laughs> Nancy is gone. 2000, she, she turned 7, 2008. Yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with that. Thank you for knowing the birthdays of my children, Ishmael. That's very cool of you. The day my daughter was born, I didn't have to go looking around going, how am I going to be a good dad? How am I going to be a good dad? Of course, there's concerns and there's things I want to grow in. But here's the thing. Everything I already needed to be a good dad was right here on the inside because I was given everything I needed for a godly life through my knowledge of him. Do you believe that? Do you believe that when you were born again, you were given everything you needed for a godly life? If you don't believe it, you're in direct opposition of the Bible. Because the Bible says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. You know why God wants you to be good? Because he's good. Do you know why God wants to cover you with his glory? Because he's glorious. Do you know why God wants you to love others? Is because God loves you. God is love. And as you know the glory and the goodness of God through that knowledge, you're going to see great and precious promises. So how did I know I had everything I needed when I went to Bible college? Because the Bible told me so. God made a promise to me. I'll be with you everywhere you go. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Greater is, is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You're more than a conqueror. He said all that to me in the word. And I go, I believe it. Yes, Lord. 
How do you know that God's going to be good to you? You read your Bible. You hear those promises. How do we know there's a heaven? Jesus promised there was a heaven. As surely as we're here today, Jesus had walked this earth. As surely as Jesus walked the earth, he was crucified. That is the fact of history. And as surely as he was crucified, three days later, he rose from the dead. They could not find his body. And he rose, uh, ascended to heaven, and he said, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And what? I'll be back. And he is coming back for his people. I believe that. Does anybody believe that? That's a precious promise. Now, guess what? By knowing you've been given everything you need for a godly life, by God's glory and goodness and having great and precious promises, you know what you get to do? You know what I get to do? We get to participate in the divine nature. We get to dance with the divine, participate in the sacred romance. Don't you know that God's madly in love with you, chasing you down to come find you? I'm telling you what, I wasn't a romantic when I got saved, before I got saved, but when I got saved, my heart turned romantic. And some of you men may not understand this. You may think it's weird, but I know some lovers of God can get this. But I began to understand the love that God had for me. And I even remember writing a song, and I'm just tempted to play. I'll play it right now. Come on. You guys never know what you're going to find. Is it ready? All right, listen to this. Oh, I'll cry right now, man. Who has a, uh, a pick for me? One of our instrument, our musicians. Give me a pick that's uh, looking at Ishmael. <laughs> Nobody has a pick. J uh, Tony, can you find Jerry where the pick's at? Where them picks be hiding at? You know what? Every musician knows how to make it happen, Captain. So here I am. Let's get this up a little. You can turn this down a little bit. I brought my amplifier. There we go. Thank you. Let's give it up for Stephanie. So, <laughs> here comes the camera. She already got me on camera right here. So, I would always sing this song to Jesus, you know. Your, your name is like honey on my lips. Your spirit's like water to my soul. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. And Jesus, I love you. I love you. Okay, so I would always sing that song. I didn't write that one. But then I would sing that last part a whole bunch. I'd be like, I love you. Jesus, I love you, I love you, and then I began to make my own song to that song because I loved him so much, and then I said, and I could never find a greater love than this, and I could never find a greater love. Could never find a greater love than this, and I could never find what a greater love. In tears.
tears would be falling down my face, and then I would start to sing, you know, make up my own words, and I would say, Father, when I get to heaven, I want to say thank you for sending your son because he loved me so much. I just want to say thank you for sending him to be with me. And I would just get this revelation that the son left the father to be with me. And I would want to say, Father, I've been around this world and I've met all kinds of people, but I have never found one who's loved me like your son. He loves me unconditionally. Oh, he laid down his life for me. And then I would go, and I could never find a greater love. Isn't that awesome? Give it up for Jesus today. Come on. Man, you got a grown man who used to listen to I was just telling you most people in this house would probably say yeah, yeah, especially in Joshua. But I'm telling you, I used to listen to ministry, white uh, zombie, all of these crazy music, you know, just death metal and that kind of stuff. And yet when I got saved, literally within a few months, I was participating in the divine nature, singing back to the Father how thankful I was for the Son. Just falling in love with Jesus. Have you fallen in love with Jesus like that? And the Bible says when you participate in the divine nature, you will escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I don't know about you, but I want to be delivered from temptation. I want to be delivered from evil. I want to live holy for God. I don't want this world to take me to hell as it perishes. I want to endure forever. Amen. How many want to shine brighter than the sun when Jesus comes back, as that scripture was saying? Amen. The Bible teaches us that. Now, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith that precious faith, goodness, and goodness to knowledge, and knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness, and godliness, mutual affection, and love. And those are seven qualities there. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, everybody say increasing measure, thank you, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So if you want to be productive in Christ, you want to grow, you want to be effective, keep possessing those things and growing in them. If you don't, you will backslide. And sadly, there are many backslidden Christians in our city, nation, and around the world. They'll say, yeah, I used to know Jesus. I love God. But, you know, I'm, I don't have time for church anymore. I don't know how much of that stuff I believe. Well, the problem isn't with God. The problem is they rejected the faith that God had given them. And they let it die. And they didn't grow up. And now they're suffering the problems for that. And every healthy thing should be growing. Amen. Everything that's healthy should be growing and reproducing. And I don't want you to forget that you were saved and made holy, that Christ changed you. Don't forget that he cleansed you of your sins because if you think you got it without him, you're going to have a lot of problems. And then look here at the end. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, somebody say do them. Thank you. You will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I don't know about you, but I want to pick up the phone when God calls. And when he elects me to do something for him, I want to say, I'm doing what you want me to do. So imagine Jesus calls you on the phone. You're going to pick it up and be like, hey, what's up? He's like, hey, this is Jesus. You're like, Jesus, what's up? What do you want me to do? Well, I want you to add these things to your seven 
uh, these seven things to your faith, and I want you to keep growing because I want to give you a rich welcome into my eternal kingdom. What are you supposed to say back to Jesus? Yes, Lord, see, si, Senor, I, you got it. And then good husbands are going to do what? They're going to say, honey, come here, come here. Somebody wants to talk to you. Who is it? It's Jesus. And they're going to pick it up and be like, what's up? And then Jesus is going to be like, hey, what do you want to do? You want to live for me? And like, yeah, I want to live for you. Okay, be the kind of wife I called you to be, the, the, the mother, etc. And if we do those things that please him, we have a rich welcome in heaven. It's not just about me getting to heaven and missing hell. It's not like I want fire insurance. I want to please God while I'm on this earth. I want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I'm not saved by good works, but I'm saved to do good works. And I want to live worthy of the life that he's given me. I was given oxygen in my lungs uh, to live a life pleasing to him, not to waste it on my own selfish desires. We were given families to honor God within, not to uh, do, out, uh, do our own things and then to destroy the image of God. I look at so many families that, that, that do not live it out the way God called them to, and the family becomes a burden. People get divorces. They suffer. And instead of glorifying God in their family, they actually see the pain and the hurt. Many of you have come from broken backgrounds in your family because it wasn't a place of peace. It wasn't a place of joy. Let us not repeat that now. Let us teach our children. Let us have our young people have our goals and mindset on husbands and wives, not boyfriends and bays. Amen? Let's set our hearts on having relationships and building up our family. Can I get an amen? Okay, so that is the series text. You guys have heard it quite often. I hope that you're getting some goodies from it. Now let's go to our sermon for today by reviewing some of the things we've already learned. This is a helpful chart for you to see what we just learned there. Peter reminded us that we're made new in Christ, that it's by Christ we're given faith and we're saved. Everybody say new man. And then he talked to us about spiritual growth, which is knowing, showing, and growing. We don't try to grow first without knowing and showing. Growing will not happen unless you know and you show. However, it will not it doesn't have to happen through a struggle. It can happen naturally, but it will happen intentionally. So think about it like this. The farmer has to plant a seed for it to grow, right? But he has to know where to plant that seed. And then he has to show that he's taking it serious by watering it and doing those good things forward and protecting it from insects and weeds. Now, as he does that intentionally, the seed will grow naturally. So I must be intentional in my spiritual growth, but then God will do it naturally. So some of you, I am afraid that I think you've put the cart before the horse. You want to grow. You want to change. And what you're looking at is what you can do for yourself. And the sad part is, is you can go uh, far enough to deceive yourself to think you don't need God. And, and you'll start to say, well, you know, I want to lose some weight, so I'll lose weight. Maybe I don't need to pray. Or I've been, you know, yelling a lot at my kids. I'll stop yelling. And what you do is you do a little behavior modification, and you think that's spiritual growth. But, my friends, that's not true spiritual growth. Let me just give you an understanding of this. When Jesus met a rich man, the rich man said he was a good person. Now, I don't have time to get into the story here, but everybody track with me. He said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal, the eternal kingdom, to inherit your kingdom, have eternal life? And Jesus said, keep the commands. You know, do what's right. Do what's expected of you. And then he listed out all these things that he did. And it looked like at that point he was in. Like Jesus is going to go, you're good, just checking, you know. I was just making sure, and I know now you're good. Okay, I'll see you in heaven then. You pass the test. But hold on. In the middle of this, Jesus rocks him and says, no, but you're lacking something here. Sell everything you have and go give it to the poor. 
Now, at this point, we have to stop and ask, what's going on here? Jesus, you said keep the commands, and yet there is no command that says rich people sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Why did Jesus just throw that on him almost like it was a trick question? Why? Because the greatest command is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first command. And you see, what this man thought he could do is have a relationship with God or a religion with God and not love God with everything. And so now he points out to the man, you have an idol in your heart, and it's called your wealth. If you want to serve me, get rid of it. And guess what he says? He says, no, I don't want to do that. Now, you think today you might be different, but I don't doubt it. I, I doubt it because I don't think you would be. Because without Christ's enablement, without his ability, all of us would turn our back on God. And if you look at your past, all of us did in one way or another. Now, watch this. The rich man starts to walk away, and the disciples are freaked out because they're like, oh, my goodness, isn't this the point? Aren't we here to help people keep the commands? And if they can't do it, aren't we then to do something for them? The rich man literally walks away. Jesus turns his back on the people and goes, this is impossible for a man to do. And the disciples then go, well, who then can be saved if it's impossible? But then he goes, but with God, it's possible. What he was teaching is that salvation is not behavior modification. See, the rich man could do things for himself to a point, but he could not change his heart. He couldn't change the heart he had towards money. He could make you think he cared about you by giving some money, taking you out to lunch. He could make you think he was noble and that he was working for his family and he did all of those things for his community. He could make you think he was a good person by not stealing, murdering, all that. But Jesus looked right at his heart and said, hey, you lack something. And that something is love for me with everything. And that's why I want to tell you today, unless you start with the belief that only Christ can make you new, you will never change yourself. You will deceive yourself into behavior modification and into what we would call um, positive mental thinking. You will think yourself happy. You'll say, well, I've changed some of my habits. I must be a new person. God must be pleased with you, uh, pleased with me. And God will be looking at you going, I don't even know you. You're a worker of iniquity. Depart from me. That's what will happen on Judgment Day. So you must be born again, Jesus said, and then you must grow in your relationship with him. And so that when you want behavior to change, when you want your thinking to change, it comes through knowing and showing and growing with God. And then everybody say renewal and transformation. Because that is where the mind begins to change and the behavior changes. So to give you an example right now, if I said to a man, I said, don't look at pornography ever again and you'll please God and, you know, you'll be a good Christian. How does that man make himself stop looking at pornography? Well, he could say, I, don't, I won't have the Internet account. I'll stop, you know, being around places that, you know, where it's, it's there. You know, maybe he goes to clubs or watches certain TV. But let me ask you something. Has he been delivered from the lust of his heart? No, all he has done, excuse me, is simply taken out that which is evil from his life but he hasn't had the evil taken out of his heart. See, monks would run away to, the, to the high mountains and to these monasteries and get away from evil and then say, now we live holy. But the problem isn't, has, has your, have you left evil? The question is, has evil left your heart? Because a man can still be evil when there's no evil around him. 
You see, that does not determine on what you are on the inside, basically on what you're doing on the outside. What you're doing on the outside cannot change you on the inside. Jesus was very clear about this, that only renewal and transformation would start from the inside and work its way out, not from the outside working its way in. That's why we do not focus on our laws to make Christians. If you wanted to ask a yogi how to be a good Hindu, he will tell you the rules you must follow, and then by doing them, you can reach a level of being a good Hindu. Same thing with Islam. How do I become a Muslim? And you'll even hear the same talk with Catholics, and they'll say a good Catholic. What does a good Catholic do? A good Catholic goes to Mass, etc., etc. What does the Muslim do? He does these things, but in Christianity, it's exactly the opposite. We do not start with the outward commands and to the law. We go into the heart and repentance for breaking those laws to receive an inner transformation. Do you see the difference? One is saying, do, 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 and then you'll be made new, new, new. And we say, be made new, 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 so you can do, do, do. Because if you're not made new and all you do is do, 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 your righteous deeds will smell as do, do in the eyes of God. So today, the inner man must be changed. Spiritual growth must happen. And then here's the guarantee of Christianity, which none of the religions even promise through all of their self-help effort. And that is true transformation of behavior and renewal of mind. Are you guys ready to see that? Everybody say the new man. Amen. And the new man is genderless. That just means a new creation. So let's go to Hebrews. In review, quickly, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23 what is the Christian's life like when they're born again? Let's look at it, and then I'll get into some new things here. To the church of the firstborn. Somebody go, that's me. Whose names are written in heaven. Come on, that's me. You have come to God. Is that you? That's me, the judge of all. To the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Somebody go, that's me. The only way we are born again is by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gives us what kind of a spirit? A perfect spirit. When you are born again, you are not born imperfect. You are born again perfect in your spirit. That is the promise of God. That is the promise that is all throughout the book of Hebrews. That moral perfection has been achieved through Jesus Christ. That is why Jesus said, be perfect, for your heavenly Father is perfect. He didn't say, start trying to be perfect so you can one day be given a perfect star next to your name. He says, be perfect, for your heavenly Father be perfect or is perfect. He is in a state of perfection, and you are to be in that state of perfection. Now do you understand how impossible it is to do in the flesh? Okay, here we go. Let, let, us, get, let us get the pregnant woman doing CrossFit with 100-pound you know, dumbbells and all these things she's doing, and she eats well. Has anybody seen this video yet? Okay, let, let me show it to you. Let us get the most highest-achieving person in this world, pregnant, I think this woman is the most highest achieving woman I can think of, you know, in outward appearances, pregnant woman, CrossFit, I just was watching this with my wife, and I'm like, honey, I think you can do this, and then she's like, boy, are you crazy, <laughs> let me show you, yes, this was on Facebook here, let me get you the video playing in the background, CrossFit, and she's nine months pregnant, this is what we call crazy, and, of course, it's got to be a gringa. Leave it to the white people to go crazy and stuff like this. Okay, here's – now, now there may be um, 
Okay, where's this? Let's get the actual woman doing all that she does here. Let's get her doing some of this stuff. Yeah, look at this. She's doing CrossFit and push-ups upside down. I'm like, baby, you got this. You can do this. Here's the other one I was thinking of right here. Of course, we got to have a little paid advertisement here. Let's go to this while we're going through that. Now, get, my, get, get what I'm trying to say as I get your attention here. Watch this. Okay, that woman's awesome, right? She does all of this. And then let's say now she does all of this physical training, and let's say she's also a genius. So she's mentally as strong as you can possibly be. Let's say she's also a very kind, generous person, right? Let's say she does everything you would want people to do to be kind. Listen, with all of her determination, all of her self-effort, all of her human strength, all of her intelligence, can she do this? Make herself righteous and her spirit perfect. She can't do it. She will fail every time at it. Now, this is where we as Christians... Uh, are different than all the other religions of the world. And you have to be honest. Are you a Christian like Jesus or are you a Christian like Oprah Winfrey? What Jesus do you follow? Jesus is Oprah or Jesus is Jesus, right? Because I think Jesus knew who he was. Jesus was very clear that what false teachers give you is not all error. What they give you is a lot of truth mixed with error. And I am sorry to say today, friends, but there is a lot of this going around even in churches today where it is almost like you are progressively saving yourself and Jesus is that coach next to you going, that a boy, that a boy, slapping you on the tush going, you can do it. But what you're not understanding is that Christianity starts you at the finish line. Jesus completes the race and says, let's start here at more than a conqueror. Jesus died to make you righteous and says, let's not start with 40 days of fasting or fasting during Ramadan. Let's not start with you trying to do a bunch of things to impress the Father. Let's start by you confessing your sin, confessing me as Lord, and me imparting to you righteous nature, a new person. That's how the Christianity that I believe in starts. Amen? So our spirits are made perfect. What happens to our souls? Let us look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. We believe we're body, soul, and spirit. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. The spirit is the inner man being given life from God. The soul is the mind, will, and the motions or your personality. Now look at here, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. We'll see a, um, a more older translation to see the word soul there. Since you have purified your Souls, everybody say, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a, what kind of a heart? So how do I start in Christianity? With a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So since your soul is purified by the spirit, you can love out of a pure heart. Am I ever going to be able to love you, my children, my wife, with a pure heart unless Jesus purifies it? No. Listen to me. Let me get everybody's attention here. This is offensive to those who don't believe the gospel. Mothers without Christ cannot love their children with a pure heart. Even with the great love that is innate in them through their nature of God making them a mother will still be tainted with selfishness. 
You say, Pastor, I don't know if I believe you. Hang around with the mother 24 hours, just one 24-hour period, and you will watch the mother come to the end of her innate ability. You will watch her lose her temper, treat her children with selfishness. They will act out, the mother will act out of her own depravity for her own benefit. Now, did I say the mother will murder her children, feed on, uh, feed them to the wild animals? No, but it happens so simply. The children need attention. The mother, out of selfishness, will put them in front of the TV. She has not loved the children with a pure heart. The children need to know they're right from wrong, but the mother has her own wrongs. She makes excuses and now teaches her children to do as she says, but not as she does. Hypocritical. The mother now puts standards upon the children out of harshness and, and bitterness. And I'm just using a mother, could be a father, could be anybody. But I am picking what we would all probably agree as the greatest innate love a human can have. Of all cultures, of all places, right? The woman in India, the woman in Ecuador, the woman down the street here in Chicago. Without Christ, naturally may have a desire to love. And we may be easily deceived and say, maybe she has a pure heart. And somehow this has gotten around the scripture. No, only those born again can have a pure heart. And now the Holy Spirit will speak to that mother. And I know the Holy Spirit has spoken to me many times. Listen to me. Many times the Holy Spirit has said to me, what you have done for your children is for your own sake and not for your sake. You see, we are to love people for the sake of Christ and their sake, not for our own sake. Let me give you an example. I come home from a hard day's work. My children want to talk. It's so easy for me to say, go outside and play. Now, there may be a time that God allows me to have a time of rest before I get back with my family. But listen, many times the Lord has convicted me when I've said, children, you go out and play. And the Lord said, did you shoo your children away for their own sake for my glory? Or did you do that for your own sake, for your own flesh? And see, now we know that the Bible is compelling us to love from a pure heart, not one out of selfish motives. So I can tell you, if the Lord has convicted me as a Christian to love even my children out of a pure heart, how much more all of us to love God and love each other. Now you see how important this is. No matter how impressive that woman is and all of these things that she does, no matter how impressive some of the smartest people in the world are, they cannot perfect their spirit and they can they purify their soul? And see, the Bible talks about that is given to us at new birth. So what is the new person? The person who has been born in their spirit perfect, purified in their soul by the Holy Spirit at new birth. And remember, verse 23 comes after what? What comes before verse 23? Verse 22. See, verse 22 says you purified your soul. Verse 23 says having been born again. That's when it happened. That is the new person. That is where I start. So how do I, um, in Christianity, become a better person? By doing or by believing? By believing, and then I can do. So I must believe I am who God made me to be first so I can do what he called me to do. If I think I'm going to convince myself I am who God said I am by doing good works, I will always be under self-condemnation. Let me talk to some of you here. Have you ever fallen under, fallen under self-condemnation? You doubt your Christianity. You doubt your salvation. So what do you do to prove it to yourself? You look at your life. You look at your works. But then instead of being comforted, what now happens? Now you feel condemned. So in your time of doubt, when you need an encouragement, you're actually spiraling towards condemnation. Now 
you're beginning to even doubt God himself. Why? Because you are starting to look at your own external behavior to see if God is real or if you have proven it to be real. But that is not where Christ says to start. He says start with faith in what he has said. Put your trust in him and believe that. From there, you can then look at your life and see Christ has empowered you. Yes, there is good fruit, but it came not because you tried to prove it, but because you believed it, and it came out of a believing heart. Remember, Peter said, you have faith as precious as ours. How did Peter please God? By what? And the righteous, the Bible says, shall live by. Whenever I step out out of faith, I enter into the world of works, and the world of works will always end in condemnation and guilt and never feeling like you're good enough. I've even had my wife confess to me in times of weakness that she doesn't feel like a good mother because she feels tired, because she feels like she's yelled at the kids. How has she examined her life? She's examined it by her works, not in faith, and now she feels discouraged. But how do I encourage my, work, uh, my wife? I then tell her who she is in Christ by her identity. And by the identity, she's encouraged to continue to do good works. Isn't that beautiful? So let us now look at spiritual growth. Everybody say spiritual growth. That is the spirit growing, or rather the Holy Spirit growing the believer's faith. So though we all have faith as Peter's, have we all worked it out the same? We may all have a body, us men, as Arnold Schwarzenegger from birth, but have we worked it out as he did? See, this is where the Christian must grow. Now, we were given seven attributes of faith by Peter. But now let's turn to Paul's attributes in Galatians chapter 5. How many have heard of the fruit of the Spirit before? Amen? Let's look at it. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? What's the first one? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, when you look at that, you come here, and what I like to do in this chart is you can see in the growing section, I combined what Peter listed out as the seven attributes of faith, going from goodness all the way to love, and then I continued on with the fruit of the Spirit from Paul and not repeating the ones that Peter had said, and you come up with these unique ones, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. The list that Peter gives us ends with what attribute? Love. The fruit of the Spirit begins with what attribute? So they meet there in the middle. And Peter gives us all of these, goodness, knowledge, self-control. Some of them are in Paul's fruit of the Spirit, but the joy, the peace, the patience, kindness, and gentleness weren't listed there. So you combine them together, you see these 12 attributes that we need to grow in. Now here's the thing, guys. How are you going to grow in goodness? Are you just going to sit on a, on a Himalayan mountainside and go, goodness, I'm ready to grow, let's go. Come on, goodness, here it comes. Like it springs out your ear. You're like, no. My grandpa used to tease me like that. You got an apple. He would put an apple seed in my ear. You like kind of flick it in there. He'd be like, that's like dangerous, I guess. But he'd kind of put an apple seed around it. You're going to have an apple grow out your ear, boy. You know? And that's how I grew up, a little crazy with an Italian grandpa. But anyways, uh, is some goodness going to grow outside of your ear? No. How do you get goodness? Well, this is where you follow the steps that Peter was listing. You see, Peter, as I told you guys to remember, knowledge. See, Peter starts with knowledge, and then he goes through those other things. See, right here he goes, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. Then he says you have power to live it out 
through your knowledge. But you remember, he keeps that there, and then he continues to go on. Then he says, add all of these things to your faith. So what is a great way to look at how we grow? How do we get goodness? How do we get self-control? Well, we got to go to knowing. And then we go to showing that everything has been given to us for a godly life. That is how we will grow in goodness. So let's start with the things that we should know. We should know that Jesus is our God and Savior. How many believe that? We should believe that we share in the divine nature. How many believe that? And how many believe you can do all that God commands? Amen. So let me ask it to you like this. Do you believe Jesus is your God and Savior? Do you believe you are who he said you are? And do you believe you can do what he said you can do? Now, these are the things, these 12 things, which I'll be getting into hopefully next week, that we are to do to show that we know God. There are about 12 things in the whole Bible that you're required to do. Maybe I might be missing a few, but generally this is what it's going to look like. You're going to read your Bible. You're going to keep your family in order. You're going to memorize Scripture. You're going to write down what goes on in your soul. You're going to pray and worship. You're going to be a part of discipleship and Christ-like behavior. You're going to serve Christ everywhere you go, even on your job, doing all things as unto the Lord. You're going to share your faith. How many think people need to know about Jesus? Right? You're going to meditate on the Word of God. You're going to be stewards of your finances, hanging out with Christians involved in the church. I believe that our elders and deacons that are here do every one of these things each day or at least quite often throughout the week and month. Maybe they don't do them all regularly, but I guarantee you, look at a good Christian's life. These are those things. But guess what? Those things are not the end. They're a means to the end. You see, if I want goodness, I have to start in faith, knowing what God called me to do, show that I love him in faith by acting upon his word, and then by doing those things, goodness and knowledge grows. They grow that way. And so what John Wesley called these things were the means of grace, or other people have called them spiritual disciplines, that showing aspect. They stand between the knowing and the growing. Everybody can say here I know, and everybody could say I want to grow, but do you want to show? And the way I look at it is in any relationship, these things come in line. Let me give you an example. If I, oh, well, I got married, and I am married now, and if I now want to grow in my marriage with Nancy, what am I going to have to do? i got to start by knowing the things she likes. i got to start by knowing those things. So let's say Nancy says, I love a physical touch when we're in public and your words of affirmation. So when we're out, she would say, I like it when you hold my hand and tell me that you love me. Give me your attention. I now know that, don't I? What do I do if I really love her knowing that? I show that, right? I show it. So when we're out in public, I grab her hand, I look her in the eyes, and I go, honey, I love you so much. What has just happened there? I have grown in goodness. I have grown in my knowledge of her and application of it. I have grown in self-control because it wasn't about me. It was about her. If I continue to do it, I grow in perseverance. Does everybody get that? You look a little bit confused. Hence the whiteboard we're going to be coming to today. You do look a little confused, but I want to be honest with you. It's not complicated. Think about my kids. They say, pa uh, they say, Daddy, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I go, yeah, I know that, I know that, but I want you to show it by cleaning your room. So they know my commands. When they show it by cleaning their room, what happens? They grow in goodness. They grow in love. They grow in joy. They see how it pleases me when they're obedient. I haven't changed my amount of love for them. I haven't changed anything. But the joy that is expressed to them is different. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. 
When Christians live below the standard that God has called them to do, they sadden or grieve the Holy Spirit. Not in a sense that he's depressed, but God will grieve your conscience. There is a difference between condemnation and conviction. I'll tell you a couple stories today, and I'll start with this one. Over the weekend, I was at Guitar Center, and I was checking out the invoice of the man that came and gave us all the quotes. We're going to be putting new speakers in here and everything. And uh, I went to check it out. And when I was there, I was really disappointed because he had pointed out some very expensive small speakers that were nowhere near what I needed. And I was upset because the man that was helping me wasn't paying attention to me because in his mind he probably thought, well, this guy has been helped by our service, our professional service department. I don't get the commission. I don't need to be there, you know. And I told him, I need you here. I want to test out all these things. But these guys work by commission. That's the truth of the matter, and I could have handled it different. But I want to be honest with you. I ended up getting mad at that guy, and I yelled at him. And I yelled at him to the point where he had to go get a manager because I was so upset with him. What happened at that moment? What happened at that moment is that I forgot who I was. I forgot that I was sharing in the divine nature. And I stopped believing that I could do what God commanded. And therefore, I didn't show the Christ likeness at that time. I didn't serve him as Christ would the church. What I began to do is act out of evil desires, out of the flesh and anger. And therefore, by doing that, I didn't show him the growth that God had done in my life. I then had to repent to him. No excuses. Repent for my anger. Repent for me not being who God called me to be. And then here's a testimony that comes out of that. I then went home, and I told my wife, and I confessed to her. And then I said, but I want to know, when was the last time that I yelled at somebody like that? And she said, I know it was before we moved into this house. So that was about three and a half years ago. So I know that God has kept me from losing my temper in that way for three and a half years. Now, did I stumble in that moment? Yes, I did. And it was because I became nearsighted and blind, forgetting that Christ had forgiven me of my sins, and I was not patient with him. And you see, my friends, it is as true as it is in my life, it is as true as it is in your life. Whenever you do not keep God's commands, whenever you are not growing in these things, you are dying and you will give in to the flesh. And I'll give you just another perfect example right now. Let's think about right now, Something that brings us joy that God has done in our lives. So our family, our children, maybe if you love your job, it's okay, whatever. Think of something that brings you joy. Now, think of something that brings you frustration, something that makes you upset. For me, traffic, talking to service people from cable or Comcast, uh, AT&T, right? Think about that. Now watch. Think of both of them at the same time. You can't. You choose which one you focus on. You can vacillate back and forth quite quickly, and it is impressive how fast we can be double-minded. But think about the joy of the Lord. You can't think about anything else while you're thinking about the joy of the Lord. You think about that thing that makes you angry. You can't think about the joy of the Lord. You see, God made us these creatures that are made in his image that are given our attention to things and one thing really at a time. That's why he said you can't have two masters. So when Christ is your master, he fills your heart, he satisfies your soul to where you cannot be hungry for something else. When my mother comes around and she makes that lasagna, literally I eat so much that if you would give me Chicago's best pizza, a hot dog, whatever else I would love to have on any other day, I cannot eat even a bite of it. So where is spiritual growth in the believer? 
Knowing who we are to the point that there is no room for unbelief. Knowing who we are, that the moment our flesh acts up, we go, that is not who I am. That is just this dust. That is just a brain that is soon to perish. That is not who Christ called me to be. I can do all that God called me to do. And you will see that though the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak, but it is your job to make the flesh your slave and let the spiritual life grow on the inside of you and to show this world that you know Jesus. Amen? And so let us uh, look at those scriptures just real quickly now about renewal and transformation. So let's review. The new man made perfect by Christ, the soul purified at rebirth, spiritual growing happening when we know who God is, who we are and what we can do, showing it by our obedience, therefore growing in those attributes, those 12 things that God wants in our life. Now what begins to happen is the mind begins to be renewed and transformation of behavior comes. Now, where do many Christians get caught up? They want to start here and try to renew their mind without growing spiritually based in their identity. They want to behavior modify their lives without stopping to know who they are in Christ and letting it happen naturally through their knowing and their showing. And let me explain it to you like this in the, uh, the introduction that I have here that I wrote very uh, succinctly. Oftentimes when Christians think about, think about changing their thinking and acting differently, they think of being in a continual struggle against the flesh. However, Jesus taught that the growing Christian would naturally bear good fruit, be renewed in their mind and transformed in their behavior by the Spirit. How many remember the Abide series? And the idea is you're a sinner, you're way out there, you're going to perish, you're going to be thrown out like a weed, but God engrafts you into the vine. Now, naturally, his source of life flows through you, and fruit begins to bud, right? That's the natural process. That's how we should think of renewal and transformation. Instead of focusing on cognitive retraining or behavioral modification, the believer should focus on their inner man growing and keeping in step with the Spirit. Here's Paul's words. I say walk with the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. How many directions can I walk in at one time? Literally one direction at one time. How many things can you think about at one time? Really only one. How many things can you love with all your heart? Only one. When I love God with all my heart, I can truly love my neighbor as myself. But if I don't love God with all my heart, I cannot love my neighbor as myself. If I do not keep in step with the Spirit, I cannot stay away from the flesh. The Spirit is the only option for the person who wants to live free from the corruption of this world. So what must we do? Must we focus on training our minds going, I'm not thinking about that, I'm not thinking about that. Let's see if we can do it this way. Think about a red ball. Just put it in your mind. Now stop thinking about the red ball as I talk about the red ball. Tell yourself you're going to stop thinking about the red ball. The red ball is not bouncing. The red ball is not on a beach. There is no red ball right now. How well did you do? Most of you, all you could think about the entire time was a red ball every time I said the word red ball. You cannot change your thinking by telling yourself simply what not to think about. You must replace your thinking with the right things to think about. When you say yes to the thoughts of God, you're saying no to stinking thinking. You are retraining yourself, yes, but not in a self-effort. You're letting the Spirit fill your mind with His thoughts, and then naturally you will change. Let me give you an example. When I 
uh, got saved November 5th, 1995. I was on drugs, high school dropout, incarcerated, bad mamma jamma. What do you think I did November 6th? Do you think I woke up in the morning and said, okay, here's a list. Here's ten things I need to stop doing. I need to stop having sex with girls. I need to stop smoking. I need to stop drinking. Now listen to me. This is why many people, not only in this church, but in churches all over the country, are still doing all of those things because they did it like that. They said, I'm going to stop this, stop, and they had no plan or uh, no godly um, empowerment to do it. And so all it became for them is, I'm a Christian, but now I do behavior modification. That is not how I change. You know how I change? I got up that morning, stayed in step with the Spirit, and the Spirit said, hey, let's walk this way. And it wasn't towards a girl's house to have sex with, so I never ended up there that way. And then he said, hey, don't smoke cigarettes. Hold on to this instead of a cigarette. And I held on to my Bible. And literally, by walking in the direction of the Lord, I walked away from the direction of the flesh. And as I look back over my life, listen, never cursed again on that day. Never smoked again on that day. Never drank and got drunk again on that day. Never did drugs again on that day. Never fought again on that day. Never lied again on that day. Why? Because I was keeping in step with the Spirit. Now you say, Pastor, have you sinned since being a Christian? Absolutely. But what did I do? Stop walking with the Spirit. Stop having the mind of Christ. I stopped doing that, and I gave in to the flesh. So do you want to live by the Spirit? Walk with the Spirit. The Spirit will naturally change your desires as you grow with Christ. As I was reading my Bible, I heard the voice of God, and I could recognize it more clearly as I was going through my everyday. Now, some of you, I don't know if you hear God, but I hear God. You see, that day when I was there in the guitar center, I heard Jesus. Of course, I heard a rationalization that said, well, he should have been on point. He should know that it doesn't matter about commission. He should be helping me. I did ask him three times to do it. Yeah, he deserved But that's not what I heard. <laughs> that's not what I heard in my heart. What I heard in my heart was this. Tell him you're sorry. Tell him that's not the way a Christian should act. Tell him that you appreciate what he did for you. Now, where do you think that came from, my flesh or the spirit? Keep in step with the spirit. Transformation and renewal then simply is going from glory to glory by the Holy Spirit. How many want to see that? Look at your neighbor and say, that's the message. I got to preach a message to you. Okay, you guys ready for today's message? Okay, open up to Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, because we didn't really get a chance to get into this last week. Go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. And now let's see if this is the way Paul looks at it. Now, you remember what I just taught you guys here. It starts with the new man. The new man should know, show, and grow. And then naturally out of that, renewal of mind, changing of thinking, and different behavior, transformation of lifestyle should come. Is that not what I proposed to you? Is that not what the chart says? Can I get a witness on that? Now, let's see if we see that verified in the Bible. Let's start with Paul here again. Look at chapter 3, verse 9. Do not lie to each other. Listen, here comes a behavioral transformation. You used to lie, transform, stop lying. Now, how does Paul base this command of not lying? What does he base it upon? Your free will and ability to choose and always do the right thing? Or does he base it upon your identity? You see, where does he base the command on? Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have what? Put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the 
image of its creator. I could put every command in that same context. Don't have sex outside of marriage since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Do not get mad at people at Guitar Center since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on your new self. How was Jesus expecting the rich man to give up everything in his own effort or by the power of the Spirit? Salvation is by the power of the Spirit. Spiritual growth is by the power of the Spirit. Everything is by the Spirit. Look at it this way. The new man is the Spirit being saved and sanctified within him. Uh, the spiritual growth is the Spirit growing the new man, and the renewal and transformation is the Spirit renewing and transforming the man. It is all spiritually based upon what God is doing. What is God doing at salvation? What is God leading us to do through our knowledge and knowing and showing? What is God doing through the thoughts that are now being impacted by a new lifestyle or a new belief system and the transformation that now follows? How was Joe Wyrostek transformed? Because I did a bunch of things? No, Joe Wyrostek was transformed because he had faith as precious as Peter given to him by Jesus. Impartation came from Jesus. And then I chose to be obedient to what Jesus was doing. Do you want to see some more evidence of that? Come on, let's see a few more scriptures in this same context. Look with me now here to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. Everybody say renewal. Everybody say transformation. Come on, look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. Thank you. I'm always starting halfway in the middle here. Let's go up in verse 22. Same man talking, Paul. Let's see if we see a similarity to Colossians. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, go into a self-help religion to change yourself eventually and maybe one day you'll get there. Is that what it says? You were taught with your former way of life to put off your old self. The whole thing. The whole thing. Counted as dead, as he said in Galatians chapter 5, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Remember we talked about deceitful desires when Peter took us uh, in 2 Peter chapter uh, 1, I believe around verse 5. Look at what it says here. It says, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Where are those evil desires? Paul tells us they're in the old self. That is the corruption we are escaping. Does everybody see it? Corruption, evil desires in your old self, having escaped the corruption. So what does that mean? That means that I have the Holy Spirit with my new spirit and a purified soul in a jar of clay, a body of dust, a flesh that will die. And I must make this flesh my slave unto Christ. And so I live in this body, making it a temple unto the Holy Spirit. And we'll see in just a minute, I offer it as worship, a living sacrifice. Is everybody getting that? So now look at it. Look what Paul says. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. What are you supposed to do with your old self? Put it off, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Now watch. To be made new in the what? The attitudes of your minds. To put on the new self created to be like God. <laughs> Come on, boom shakalaka. Help me here, Robin. How was our new self made, created to be? You better say it like you're up today. Come on, the new self that's created to be like God. In what? True righteousness and holiness. 
Do you want a new mind? Be created anew in Christ. Do you want new behaviors? You want to be righteous? You want to be holy? Put on the new self and grow up. Grow as you know and show. I mean, it's so simple, my friends, we can miss it. That's why then he says, therefore, put off falsehood. Speak, you know, truthfully. Whenever you see Paul, and I can show you again in, in Galatians chapter 5, whenever you see Paul telling you to do good stuff and not do bad stuff, he's always telling you it starts with the Holy Spirit. That's where this scripture is found. So walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And he now tells you all the crazy thing the flesh does does, all the good things the Spirit does, and then look at how he ends it. It's called like a Holy Ghost sandwich. He says, walk by the Spirit, and then he ends, walk by the Spirit. He, all of that in the middle teaches us what he's trying to tell us. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its what? Passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Does that sound familiar? That's the bottom bun. Where's the top bun? The top bun is right here in verse 16. Walk by the Spirit, you won't gratify the flesh. Where's the bottom bun? Live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. All the nuggies in between there just tell you what flesh does and what Spirit does. You make the decision. So here's Paul's thing right here. He, here's the first bun. Walk by the Spirit. Here's the bottom bun right here. Keep in step with the Spirit. What do we see here? We get the teaching right here of what the flesh is. Don't do that. And here we get what the spirit is. Do that. What does he say in another place? He says, put on the new self. And then down here he says, don't lie because you put on the new self. And then he says, this new self is created in the righteousness and holiness of God, not like the corruptible self you used to have. Come on now. Put that in your religious pipe and smoke it. Amen? Get high on Jesus, man. Come on. Get high on Jesus. Ain't no high like the most high. Mic drop. This is it. This is Christian living. This is it. This, th there is nothing more complicated to it than this. Just for reinforcement, look at this famous passage, Romans chapter 12. Come on, Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer up your bodies as living sacrifice. That part of you, that's that old self, the flesh, the literal body with its senses, its brain. Offer it as a living sacrifice. Make it your slave, which is holy and pleasing to God. So even though this body can be sinful and corrupt and will die and turn to dust, when I offer it to God, it's a temple of the Holy Spirit, and it's holy and pleasing to God. This is your true Pro, true and proper worship. When you serve God in this body of death, this body that is unto corruption, you are worshiping God. Worship to God. It's more than just singing a song when we come to church. Worship to God is growing in his image and reflecting him. Worship to God is being the husband, the wife, the mother, the father, whatever, that God has called you to be. That's worship. I'm worshiping God right now by making my body be up here. You're worshiping God by, God by bringing your body to church and listening to the pastor preach for an hour and a half. How many are happy? Amen? Now, what does it say here? Watch. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does my transformation, how does the trans happen here? How does the, how does the behavior happen? My change of behavior happened. It happens through a renewal of the mind. That's how it happens. Now, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many want God's will for your life? Come on, everybody say this with me. Not my will, but your will be done. 
Come on, say it again. Not my will, but your will be done. Now say it like this. Your good will, your pleasing will, your perfect will. Is there any time, ladies, you're going to want to say to God, give me your jacked up will? Come on, women. You don't want a man that comes in all jacked up and say, I'm just the answer to your prayer. No, you want a good husband because it's according to God's good will, right? Come on, men. Do you want your women acting according to the, the will of Oprah Winfrey? Or do you want them acting to the will of God? Being holy, not just by their outer beauty and the selfies they take on Facebook, but by their inner beauty and their heart towards the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Amen. Some girls got their selfie on point, but ain't got their self on point. You need to get your soul purified. Amen. You may have a pretty selfie, but a dirty soul. It's time to let God clean your soul and then take a selfie. Let people know you women for your attributes of holiness, not for the attributes of your physical body. Though both are important to God, but one is greater, and that is your soul. Here we see again, lastly, in Galatians, which we've just read, that the whole idea of renewal and transformation comes by walking and following the Spirit. Do you guys want to see this in the summary form? How many would like to see it in summary? Can I hear an amen? Here's what it looks like. New birth plus spiritual growth plus renewal and transformation equals reflecting the image of Christ. You see, I was created new in the image of Christ. Number one, the new birth, salvation and sanctification. What does that mean? I was made like Christ, created in true righteousness and holiness like God in his image with a perfect spirit and a purified soul. Hallelujah. Then what do I do? I grow spiritually. That means growing like Christ. When Jesus was born upon the earth through the Virgin Mary, he grew in stature among God and men. He sets our example for a perfect man growing. Now, have we always acted perfect? No, we haven't. But he is still our example of a perfect man following the will of God perfectly. I don't ever want to make him miss. I don't, listen to me. I don't want to be in guitar center and make an excuse for sin. Do you guys get that? I mean, come on, I could get away with it, couldn't I? I mean, I'm the pastor. He should have known we're spending tens of thousands of dollars. He wasn't on his game. He deserved this treatment, right? I could do that, but I don't want to. I want to please God. I want to reflect the Lord. And I want to keep it real. I don't want to be religious. To hell with religion, amen? I don't want to dress up in a funny hat and feed you communion. I just want Jesus. I want to be like Paul. I want to be like Peter. Peter wasn't a pope. He was a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. When men went to bow and kiss his feet, he lifted them up and he said, I'm just a man like you. He was a fisherman. Come on, somebody. This is what he taught us. This is what God was teaching us through these men. It's that you're born new. You're changed. You're given a divine nature. You participate with the divine. That's that spiritual growth. You're participating. God is teaching us through our relationship with him. And then what happens? What, what is the evidence that we can point to? Is our thinking and acting changes? Yes, there is good fruit that does come. But I don't use the fruit to try to prove my rebirth. I trust God for his word in my rebirth. You understand, I can get Mormons in here to act moral, and they're still not born again. I believe I'm born again, not because of how good I've been to my wife and kids lately. I believe I'm born again because the man, Christ Jesus, walked the earth, died on the cross, and ro you know, was buried, rose again from the dead. And he told us that this is what would happen when the spirit would come into people's lives. 
I don't base my beliefs only on my experiences, though I'm glad they're validated by experiences. I base my beliefs on the truth of Jesus Christ. You and I can argue all day with Buzz Aldrin on what it's like on the moon, but here's the deal. None of us have been there. Jesus told us what it's like up there. He came down to earth and went back there. He said, this is what it's like, and you are the light of the world. That's what he called us. He said, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. He said, be perfect as your heavenly Father's perfect. He said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and neighbor as yourself. I meet Christians all the time that tell me, well, nobody can do that. You're always going to have stuff you're holding back from God. That doesn't make any sense. He told me that's the way I could please him. Why would I tell my child, listen, you don't please me unless everything in this room is exactly perfect, you know? And they would never do it right. They would never be pleased. It would be an impossible standard. But Jesus didn't give us an impossible standard. It's really a choice of who your master is. When Jesus is your master, you'll love him with everything. I don't hold back anything from God. I mean, are you holding back anything? Don't do that. And then that's how we reflect the image of Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says it like this. But we all, with open faces, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image. Watch. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. I want everyone to look about me, please, in closing. I know I gave you a lot of theology and things to think about, but I want to ask you this today. Are you going from glory to glory, or are you going from glory to glory? Is your life a mess? Do you know why I stopped watching A Walking Dead? I mean, I, could, I, I enjoyed the drama. I enjoyed the cliffhangers. It was cool. But it got to the point when my favorite characters were being eaten alive by zombies, like how we eat chicken. I just couldn't take it anymore. I mean, the veins are popping out. Their faces are getting ripped. I'm just like, I can't take the gore. And uh, listen to me. God is my witness. I'm done with the gore of sin. I mean, I'm telling you, even while I was raising my voice at that man in, in Guitar Center, I could literally hear the Holy Spirit telling me, you know you're going to have to apologize for all of this. And I'm telling myself, I'll do it when I'm done. I'm being honest. I, I, I just, and then that, that feeling, you know, even as I've gotten older, you know, losing your temper, high blood pressure, face turning red, I just don't want it. The times that I've lusted since being married, I don't want it. I don't like that feeling. I don't like what it gives, right? Come on, is anybody with me? Jealousy, you know, I hear of another church or someone else getting more, more things than me, and, and, and I'll think, well, I deserve it, and, and they shouldn't have it, and I've done more than they have. And I get this, it's just like you're pouring like oil over me, and I can just feel the soot coming over me. I mean, come on, I, are you with me? Don't you know what gory feels like, sin? Jesus said you don't have to go in that cycle. Living for him doesn't have to be this endless cycle of, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't do it. I feel so bad I did it. God forgive me. I hope to never do it again. I'm good right now, but I did it again, and I feel so bad, and God forgive me. And you're just going in circles like a dog chasing their tail. God says we go from glory to glory. See, this is a progression. It's not a progression of salvation because salvation is what starts us at the finish line. I'm saved to do this. Some of you thought you were saved just not to go to hell. No, you were saved to reflect the glory of God. You were saved to be a son or a daughter of a king, to shine like the light in his presence, that you would be the moon and he would be the sun and he would shine upon you and reflect his light to a dark world. 
That is who we are. I want to show you that scripture because it sounds so epic, doesn't it, Josh? Doesn't that scripture sound so amazing? I'll show it to you. Shine in the presence of their God. This is what you were called to do. Look at this. Blessed are those who are learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence. Now, let me get, let me get you another one here. Um, shine in the kingdom of their God, of their God. This is, so, this is my heart right here. I made a little meme out of it. Here we go. Watch this. Praise God. How many love Jesus today? Then, this, this talks about after everything is done, when the, when the wicked have been thrown to hell, you can see the context right here. Then, after this, okay, what, what, what's the end of the story? What's all this for? Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. I mean, guys, I know we all like different kinds of movies here, but don't want to attract with me or just like do some sci-fi movies. All the ones about Thor or all the ones about the Lord of the Rings and the elves. There's always these movies where there's these kind of godlike, angelic people among men. They live among men, but they're not like men. They have special power. Their skin glows. They, they have strength. Their eyes light up. This is what the Bible says. When God truly reveals himself from Zion and his people, where the treasure has been hid in their jar of clay, this is when it bursts out and the world sees who we are. We're sons and daughters of light. Hallelujah, you are a son or a daughter of light today. You have been made righteous. Get your shine on. Amen. I want to shine for God. I want to shine for Jesus. The idea that Christ is teaching us here throughout this sermon series, I hope that you're getting it. The, the pattern here is first you be, you know, then you do. And from that doing, you reflect and show the whole world who you are and who Christ made you to be. I, 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 was, I was at the park the other day in closing. Rachel, would you come, please? And I'm going to give you an illustration. It's going to get loud, but I want you to get It's going to be a little dramatic, but I want you guys to see this, to hear about this. So I was, I was at the park the other day, and these kids were playing, and they were acting up, and... It's so hard for me not to say this without crying. I mean, I almost cried in the first service. I might cry right now. And um, these kids were acting up, and I could hear it. And this is the example. I'm just doing this as an example. I saw the father look down and go, stop it! Stop it! Screamed at the top of his lungs right at these kids, these little kids. And my heart began to break. And at first, I thought it was for the kids. I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't even believe these kids have to endure this. Because some people grow up, we're home where people yell like that, like that intense. And then God spoke to me and he said, that would be you without me. You don't understand. You see, I wasn't a happy kid when I started getting away from God. Dropping out of high school, doing drugs. I wasn't a fun party kid. I was depressed. I was angry. My parents, probably from 15 to 18, only saw me smile maybe a handful of times, three or four times. Self-loathing, hating others. And I want you to hear this. My daughter knew nothing of that situation at Guitar Center. 
So two days ago, after we did our devotions, Hannah, my second oldest, said to Nancy as she as as uh, her mother put her down to bed, she said, she said, Daddy is the nicest man I know. He's always happy. That's what she said. He kicked holes in my wall when I was a teenager. Got kicked out of school. I remember one time in private school, they were spanking me. And the, and the pa- principal literally said, he goes, this is not going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I'm actually going to feel good after I do this because you've had this coming to you. I'm being 100%. The guy was so angry at me. He said, you, you deserve this, and I'm happy to give it to you. And my daughter, who lives with me day and night, day and night, we homeschool. I work from my home office. She said, Dad. He's the nicest man I know. And yet I would have been that jerk without Christ. You see, that's my story. I don't know your story. I don't know what it looks like in your life. But I want to tell you something. You need Jesus. You need to be born again. You need to grow and to know and to show. And then I want to tell you something. You need your thinking transformed. You need your behavior transformed. But listen, it comes from Christ. And it comes from you admitting, I can't, but he can. He died so I could live. And I will receive this. My family depends upon it. My community depends upon it. My job, this nation, the kingdom of the Lord. And I will be all that he called me to be. I'm going to do it. Amen? Would you dim the lights there in the back? I want to show you why I brought up this board in closing. When you look at your life, it's really going to come down to growing here. And you're knowing and you're showing. You see, between the new man and the renewal and the transformation is this process of growth. That's where the rubber meets the road. We all want different minds. We all want different behaviors. But are we going to trust God enough to get to know him and have faith in him, exercise our faith, and show it through our obedience? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. So I want you to think of it like this. The K is for knowing. The S is for showing. The G is for growing. I want you to start off in your life, and they're doing this at the life groups, but I want to demonstrate it here. Where is the weakness in your growth here? Are you lacking in goodness? Are you lacking in self-control? Are you giving up all the time? Are you not sharing love with your brother or sister? Do you not have joy? The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, not because the world is good, but because God is good. So you go to one, and let's say you, you, you go, I'm having a problem with number one. Well, what you do then, as the cycle shows you, is you go to knowing, okay? So if I want to be good, I need to start off by knowing God is good. Then number two, I need to know that he made me good, right? He made me in true righteousness and holiness. And then I need to say, I believe I can do good, right? And then now I say, Lord, for this showing thing here, what are some of the things you want me to do to grow in goodness, So God may say, I want you to, number one, I want you to start praying, reading your Bible. He may say, number three, I want you to start memorizing the scripture. And then he may say, number seven, I want you to start serving people to get yourself out of selfishness. Now, am I doing these things to become a better person? No, I'm not. I'm doing these things to be and act as the act as the person God has already made me to be. Does everybody get that? So that's how we grow. This this is how that 
flow works. Growing, if you would look at it in that way, is between knowing and showing. And knowing is between growing and showing. They're relative to each other. They touch each other. And so you have to trust God that he's able to grow these areas as you know and show. And so take, for example, my issue with Guitar Center. What did I do Friday? God is my witness, and so is Ishmael, because we were sharing a conversation. But what did I do Friday? Well, Friday, I sit at my Lazy Boy. I put on a picture of the ocean, because I have it on the TV, and I start reading the scriptures, and I start doing a bunch of them. But the main one here that I really love to do when I know I've messed up and I want to know who God says I am, I start doing spiritual meditation. I just close my eyes and I go, Father, just show me who I am again. And literally, I see myself as a tree planted by the streams of water, yielding fruit in season where the leaves do not wither. I see myself as a branch and grafted into the vine of God, bearing fruit, being pruned of the things that don't belong. I see myself as a child enduring discipline to the Father that's telling me what I ought to do and what I ought not to do. I see myself as a runner running the race and the Lord refreshing me saying, finish your race and get rid of every hindrance and weight that so easily besets you. God is going to take each one of us through these processes. And what I want to do the coming weeks, so make sure you come. I want to go through all 12 of them so you can feel you can do them adequately. Amen? But before we go, somebody shout out one. I've already given you anger. We did some last week, but I want somebody just to shout out one in the 12 areas here. We're going to do this a little different that you believe God would want you to grow in. Just pick one of the 12. Self-control. Good one. So we want to grow here in number three, self-control. So we go here to the knowing. Do you believe Jesus is your God and Savior? That he made you and that he made you to be a person of control. Unless you have a physical issue, the normal default position is you control yourself, right? That's who God is. That's who you are. And do you believe he, you can do what he says you can do? So let's say somebody's on drugs, and we know our brother's not in the back, amen. But just as an example, it's not 12 steps, it's one step. And then what do they do? God's going to start showing them here, hey, I made you able to keep these commands. Food is not stronger than you. Uh, sex addiction is not stronger than you. Your uh, identity, you know, whatever. I would say to Caitlyn Jenner, the feelings you have in your body are not stronger than Christ. Amen. How many believe that? So what would I do for self-control? I'm just switching it up, making it fun. I would do number four. I would start soul journaling, and I would do... Let's say we get rid of this right here. I'll just make it fresh. I would do number four. Of course, read the word, but number four. And then I would do uh, number six. I would start writing down, when are my biggest weaknesses? Where are my biggest problems? Why is it at these times I lose control? And then I would go among my brothers and do discipleship, my sisters, and go, this is the place where I struggle the most. I've been reading the Bible. I know I shouldn't do it, but I want to walk like Christ. Give me some pointers. Let's be accountable. I believe God will keep his word through that. Can't you see Peter doing that? I see Peter and these guys growing just like that. Could you imagine getting in a fight with Peter after Pentecost? You know, he's a good guy. He's with you. But you get in a fight with him, and all of a sudden he's like itching his side. You think he's going to pull out the sword. You're like, put away the sword, Peter. Put it away. Don't cut off my ear, man. And I, I could just see, you know, because guys are guys. They're going to tease each other. And, and I could see 
you know, Peter going, hey, I'm, I've grown in that area. I know who I am. I don't have to be like that. You know, I've grown. And I see him being accountable. But, hey, if you ever see me reaching for that sword again, somebody keep me, you know, keep me accountable. Hold me back. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to be in a Roman jail because I cut somebody's ear off. Would we stand together, please, now? And would you bless the Lord if you believe his word is true? Amen. I believe the word is true. Here's a good thought in closing here today. Here's something to think about. It's very simple. Altar workers, would you come? Band, would you come? I know I went a little late. Thank you guys for your patience. Renewal of mind, transformation of behavior come naturally by the Holy Spirit as the believer grows in the image of Christ. Let us close our eyes in an attitude of prayer, if you would, with me while these gentlemen get our altar time ready. Thank you, brothers. Uh, number one, are you born again? If you're not, confess your sins and confess Jesus as Lord. You can do it in your own words right now. Just say, Jesus, I repent of my sin and I believe you died on the cross for me. If you are born again, would you now look at your life and that spiritual growth um, chart and see some of the things that you know you need to grow up in. Identity and maturity are two different things. My son is a son of a Wyrostic, but if he wants to mature to be a Wyrostic man, he has to grow up. You are a son or daughter of God if you're born again, but you need to mature, and so do I, to grow up. Let us grow up like Peter. We have faith just as precious as his. So what areas do you want to grow in? And then lastly, start to believe and confess your mind will transform in those areas, and your behavior will change. Trust God. He's going to do it. He's pretty good at changing lives. Trust me. I've seen it happen all throughout these years. So let's pray. Just for these next few moments, Jesus, may every person be born again. May we all be honest in the areas we need to grow in. And may we trust you to renew us and transform us. Jesus, your love. Just as she sings, would you pray for these moments that we have together? It's because of the love of God that I can grow today and I can know him today and show him. There's nobody like our God, nobody like Jesus. He says, I love you just the way you are, but too much to let you stay that way. Jesus, save us, purify us. Make us righteous and holy. Take away the sin, the gore of our life, and bring us from glory to glory. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord. I don't have to do to be made new. To be made new, I just need to trust you. I just need to trust you. And when I do, you will give me all the righteousness I need, all the divine power I need to follow your commands in this life. together.
would you open your eyes if you can and just sing this next part with us? I feel like moving. Think about it now. I feel like you're dancing with the divine, participating. Your fragrance in our secret place. One more time. I feel like moving. I feel like moving to the rhythms of your grace. Fragrance is a Before we go, I'm going to ask that we would think of this example. Moving with grace as you dancing with the divine. God leading you through life. It's not just in church. It's on your job. It's in Guitar Center. It's wherever you're at. Brian, do you know that when I was feeling my temper rise in that Guitar Center, literally, can you come up here for a second? It's going to be funny because my wife's not here, and I don't think it would be comfortable for me dancing with a woman like this. But literally, <laughs> dancing with a guy like this is totally appropriate, by the way, just in case you were wondering. So literally, as I was getting upset, I could literally, as I would imagine it, feel the Lord going like this, no, dance with me this way. I, I could feel the Lord taking me by my heart, going, no, dance with me this way. You don't, you don't want to do that. And you know, what it, you know what I did? In that moment, I was like, oh, man, I got this. And God was like, man, dance with me. And I'm like, no, I got this. And then after I did it, I knew exactly why he didn't want me to do it, what it felt like, what it did to my soul. And so thank you, Brian. We won't dance anymore. But before we go, would you just close your eyes? And for some of you, it's a hard image picturing you dancing with your father. I know I'm totally a dude's dude, a man's man. But use whatever imagination you can, maybe driving with your father, right? You're driving on a four-wheeler quad and you're, you know, going through dirt uh, woods and all of that. I don't know. But women, I love the image for this. You know, women, you can imagine right now putting your feet on your father's feet and he's moving you. It doesn't matter, but let's use our imagination being led by the Lord, however you see that, walking with the Spirit. And let's make a commitment today that that's what we're going to do. We're going to walk. We're going to grow. We're going to live by the Spirit. Because it's not about just laws and black and white things in an old book. It's literally about God living in us, showing us his heart. A few more moments. Just think of that as we sing just that part. I feel like moving. I feel like Use your imagination now. Your fragrance is intoxicating. And I, just a few more times. I feel like moving. And I feel like moving. To the rhythms of your grace, your fragrance is intoxicating in our secret place. Heavenly Father, you're so intentional with us. You're so intimate. God, and you just draw us in by your grace. Your fragrance is intoxicating. It makes us move. It makes us feel, Lord God. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would know who we are in you. That we would believe what you say we are. That we would believe what you say, Lord God. That we would believe what you believe about us, God. You've called us to be righteous. You've said that we are holy. You said that we are perfect, Lord. I pray that we walk in our perfection. 
I pray that we identify with you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, your word declares that as Christ is, so are we in this world. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would be so like that we would be so identified with you that everything that comes out of us looks like you, sounds like you, feels like you, that the world would be so shaken, God, by how much Jesus is is reflected in us, Lord. Lord God, you've done it in us, God, so that we can be you on this world. Lord God, we no longer live. You live in us. And the life we live now is by your power, by, by, by the faith that you've given us, God. We walk, we walk in the likeness, and we dance with the divine. We participate in your nature, Lord. You've made us like you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's give it up for Jesus. That was an awesome prayer. Amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say, be renewed and transformed. God bless you. Come up for prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed. We love you. Have a great week. God bless you. Hang out. Feel free to go if you need to. Oh, come on, sing it, brother. God bless you guys today. Oh, Lord, we love you. Bless everyone as they go, God. May we know and love you more. Go ahead, it's the after party. As we keep worshiping, we're going to sing this new one that we got. You don't give your heart in pieces. You don't. You don't hide to tease us. And as we're worshiping to this, I know some of you have gone through struggles. You may not have seen the transformation right away. You may not have seen what you wanted to see yet. But I want to tell you today, don't be condemned. Don't, don't feel guilty. Trust God today. Trust him through the storm. Trust him through the, the battle of the flesh. There are times where it's a battle. Don't get me wrong. I know it. I've been there. And so we're going to sing this to encourage you. Joe B., just find the words. Pieces by Amanda Cook. But go ahead, band, and we're going to keep worshiping for the next few moments and praying. Yes, God. And you don't hide the gives you all of him.
more times. Take it down there. Come on. If you don't give yourself in pieces. When God gives you his heart, he gives it 100%. Don't doubt your salvation today. You're saved. If you don't hide yourself to Jesus. When you think that God is distant, it's not that he's teasing you. He's doing that to draw you closer. And you don't give your heart in pieces. And you don't hide yourself to tease us. And you don't hide yourself to tease us. Amen. If that was for anybody today, just be encouraged. Man, maybe pick any song that you want, but I just wanted somebody to hear that today, that you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to doubt whether or not God is with you, that God is there, and he's drawing you closer to his side. Just sing maybe one from more. Yeah, there you go. Sing it from your heart, guys. Come on. Sing it like you mean it today. song for those who are hanging out today. Just stick back with us a little bit. I'll worship with you. Come on, sing it out today if you believe it. You don't give your heart in pieces. Uncontrolled Come on Uncontrolled 
give it up for Jesus in the after party. Amen. We'll put on some music, but that was amazing. Praise God. I don't